you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. When the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. For the help of the Lord, if I could just have your attention for just a few moments today, I want to bring a thought to you in this Christmas season. It is in line with this text and in the storyline of what we have been experiencing today, I want to speak to you on the wisdom of worship. God, I pray this morning that my words find a place in the corner of a heart today and that your word would find a lodging place that would open that heart to receive what you want to do in this room and in every life today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. What a day. What a great day. So much that's already been accomplished, and I'm honored just to be part of this day. Living a whole life, a good life with God and others is the whole point 
of wisdom literature in the Holy Writ. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and Job. Four works written so that we might live wisely, live good and full life to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we read the Holy Scriptures, we discover that wisdom is both discovered and discerned, particularly discerned as something different than foolishness. Immersed in the stories, we recognize that there is a deceptiveness and subtility to foolishness, perhaps most evident in the book of Proverbs, one of my favorite books to read. The two invitations here, one of wisdom and one of folly, sound and look very similar and often use similar lures and reside in similar places. Yet one relationship leads to death and the other to abundant and whole life. The story of Job sets up the discovery of wisdom in contrast to foolishness. Ecclesiastes' entire rhythm is to contrast the vanity of folly and the blessing of wisdom. So the question must be asked, where do we go to to find wisdom and to discern folly? Each of these four wise writings that I have mentioned to you in the onset today lead us to a place, but they lead us in different ways. Proverbs through memorable sayings to keep us in step in the path. Ecclesiastes weaves us along the unwinding path of legitical process and experience. Song of Solomon through poetic imagination uses vivid imagery to bring wisdom into our life and, and Job. Job brings wisdom through suffering. And when you read his words, we identify with him when we walk through the darkest days of life. In each the writings, in each of the writings, we arrive at a specific place that brings us to awe and wonder how that a life lived could be so close to being right are so close to being wrong, yet they end with two complete different endings. Awe and wonder at the invitation of the accessibility of wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Awe and wonder at the intimacy and affection of relationship in the book of Song of Solomon. Awe and wonder at the simplicity seen in the book of Ecclesiastes and awe and wonder in the presence of majesty and mercy in the book of Job. Contrary to the places we think we can find wisdom, education, experience, science, philosophy, all the places we go to to get understanding and get wisdom, all of these places seem to be the right place to go to for wisdom. The Bible even says get understanding. It teaches us and leads us. I believe we should get the best educations. We should culture ourselves the very best. We should learn everything we, that we can. 
But while we're looking for wisdom, the place we are constantly led to, to find wisdom, is the place of worship. Biblical wisdom can be pretty easily summed up as knowing and doing God's will. I'm going to try to dumb this down and make it as simple as I possibly can in the next few moments. Biblical wisdom can be pretty easily summed up as just doing what God wants you to do. There's great wisdom in this. When I think of the wisest people that I know, their lives have a same common thread. They seek out living for God and living His Word out in their everyday life. The second thing I've noticed about them is that they're always longing for more of God and they want to get closer to Him and know Him more. And I think how wise they are and how incredible they are and how the relationship with God must be near perfection, yet I see them longing for more. And then they, the third thing that I've noticed about these individuals is that they are unashamed worshipers. They are lavish. They are outstanding. They worship. If nobody else is worshiping, they still want to be worshipers. Those individuals stick out to me. It almost seems too easy in my mind. Worship? Do, do you mean I can, I can play enough K-Love radio pastor? And it's going to make me wise? Of course it's not that simple and requires us to dig deep into what it means to truly worship God. And I want to focus on that for a minute because worship, according to Webster's, is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Give me your mind for just a moment and we're going to take a journey. True worship is a life of holiness that stems from a heart overflowing with the love of God. It's not centered on honoring God for what He does, but it centers on a life that is filled with joy because they know who God is. True worship is the act of laying down our plans, our desires at the foot of the cross and desiring only what God wants. And we discover that when we get in a spirit and an attitude of worship. And we, when we adopt this posture of true worship that seeks to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission, we begin to develop true wisdom in our life. That is the ability to know God and to know God's will. This is where worship comes in. The more we revere the more we honor, the more we adore God, the more we understand who He is, the more we understand, the more we understand who He is and how He has affected our lives, the more we can hear Him speak in our life and we can heed His call. Here's what Proverbs said in the ninth chapter in the tenth verse: the fear of the Lord. That word fear means the reverence or the trust of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. 
True wisdom begins and continues with a right relationship with God. Heavenly wisdom in everyday life is possible only when we are a God worshiper. We were all created to worship. We were born to worship. We all are going to worship. The issue is, is we must understand that worship must be approached with wisdom. What do you mean by this, Pastor? That means worship is not an event or an act. Worship is how we live out our life. You are going to worship something. There is always going to be an object of your worship. You're going to worship education. You're going to worship hobbies. You're going to worship superstars. Or you're going to have the wisdom to understand all that matters is this baby in a manger that became our Savior. And that's the object of my worship. Jesus is the object of my worship. There lies the wisdom of worship. It's all about Him. The book of Genesis, Adam and Eve could talk to God. God walked with them in the garden. This was real communion with God, but this relationship was broken when they desired to be wise in their own way. Watch this. When they desired to be wise in their own way and listen to their adversary that said to him, you can become wise as God. You can become like God. You can be exalted and lifted up. Every time that man begins to become lofty in his own knowledge, in his own ability, in his own thinking, we are dethroning God. But when we come before him in an attitude of worship and praise and say, this has nothing to do with me, it may look awkward, feel awkward, and seem awkward, but here I am living out my life every day saying he is alive and on the throne, ruler of my life. I'm nothing without him. He is everything, and I am nothing. So all through the scripture and until now this is still our problem God created us to give him glory he wants us to worship him he desires to be at the center of our lives Proverbs 8 and 30 says that wisdom rejoices in the presence of God wisdom rejoices in the presence of God where there is wisdom there will be worship Remember, biblically, the wisest people are God worshipers. The wisest person knows that worship is necessary. Life-giving connection to the Spirit of God is necessary for a real Christian life. Psalm 22, 3 teaches us that God's presence dwells within our worship. In other words... Let me break it down for you. The King James Version says it's something like this. He abides in the praises of his people. What does that mean? That means when we begin to give God praise and worship, the Holy Spirit is going to move into that 
arena into that location on site to where we are. Regardless what you find yourself going through, regardless what point in life you find yourself in, if you will just begin to praise God, I can guarantee you while he promised I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but sometimes God is with us and we don't know he's there. But the wisdom of worship is when we begin to worship him, he comes on location and makes himself known. So in the darkest hour, become a worshiper. Begin to worship in the darkest hour. He shows up and says, I've been here all by myself, but your worship made me show up and present myself to you. Because your worship creates an atmosphere where God can abide. Your worship is a welcome mat for God's presence. Your worship invites God into your atmosphere, into your situation, into the functions of that moment in your life. If you're seeking God for wisdom in a situation, worship is the wisest thing you can do. There is extraordinary spiritual power in your worship. I've learned some things about worship in my lifetime. Worship is exclusively God-focused. Worship will keep you connected to God. Worship will support a godly perspective. Worship will release the blessings of God into your life. And worship will invite God to come closer to where you are. Solomon wrote, Wisdom rejoices in the presence of the Lord. The wisest thing you can do is worship. I won't leave it just another couple of minutes here. The wisdom of worship is that a heart of worship will always lead you to Jesus. Although the king had another thought, although the king wanted to bring destruction to Jesus, he sent them for no good reason. He, he was not being honest when he said, if you go, I'm going to come and worship him for, in fact, his decree that was what he was going to kill him. He was going to end his life before it got started. But the wise men, as they came, what made them wise? What made them wise men? I think it is revealed in this text because everything that is written about them says something to our life. The wisdom of worship is that a heart of worship will always lead you to Jesus. The wise men followed the director. It was the star for them. The wisdom of worship is that when we arrive at an opportunity to be in His presence, worship is going to be the main thing that we do. Number two, the wisdom in worship is that it will cause you to leave differently. The scripture said that they came, but they left a different way. We understand technically in this scripture it was that they came on one road and left on another. But why would the scripture lead that, leave that for us to read if there was not a meaning for you and I in our life? It is that when we come to where Jesus is, I can promise you, when you get on location with him and you worship him, you're going to leave differently than the way that you came. No matter what you walked in with this morning, 
If you'll engage in worship with him, you're going to walk out of here differently than the way you walked in. And I close with this. The wisdom of worship is that worship urges us to offer him our best gifts. I like how the video, the, with its amount of comedy, said they brought him unusual gifts. It was. They were spectacular gifts. It was David who said, I, I won't offer unto God that which costs me nothing. David knew a lot about worship. He said, I'm not offering to him that costs that which costs me nothing. When the wise men came, they brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, the most costly things. The trading center of that day was built around the gifts in which was brought to Jesus. They brought him the most precious thing that they had. And then they worshiped. Worship says, I don't hold anything back. Because today God's not looking for your things. He's not trying to take life from you. He's trying to give life to you. He wants to give you more than you've ever had. It doesn't matter how much you were able to put in the offering this morning. What he's looking for is not your money in your bank account. It's not anything to do with this world because his kingdom is not of this world. But he's looking for you to come and give your all. Wise men gave their best gifts of gold, frankincense, of myrrh, costly gifts. But the gift he really wants from you this morning is the most precious gift that you could give. He wants you to come to him, and he wants you to give him your all. He wants our lives surrendered to his will. There is the wisdom of worship. Surrendering our life to his will. He wants, hallelujah to be more than just mere words because of the very word hallelujah it is our highest praise it is God I surrender all it is God I give you everything I have that's the meaning of the word we say it passively because we fail to understand the depth of the meaning of the word hallelujah transcends languages I believe that that very word reaches all the way to the throne room of God. And when we from our, the depth of our heart begin to say hallelujah unto the Lord, we're beginning to say, God, I offer you my highest praise. I offer to you everything I have. I submit and surrender my best gifts to you, not just in this holiday season, but I bring my gifts, best gifts to you. The gift of my life, here I am surrender to you. Why do we lift our hands? Why do we raise our hands? It is because it is a sign of surrender. Here I am. Why don't we try that right now? Just with lifted hands. Just say, and maybe you just want to speak it unto God in your own way. I know it's public right now, but why don't you just lift your hands all over this room and just say, God, here I am. I want to give you my best gift, the gift of worship. That's good. Stand with me all over the building. Some are already standing. Just join with them. He wants you to give Him your best, to give Him your all. He wants hallelujah to be more than just words. Why don't you just say it to Him? Hallelujah. God, I give you my all. The Word says, I surrender all. All to Him, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. All over this room, I ask you to join with me right now. 
God, I'm praying over this congregation as we lift our hands as a sign of surrender. We offer to you our highest praise. Lord, whether one is experienced and have walked with you for years or one is new to this journey or maybe one wants to start on this journey today, I'm praying right now, God, that you open our heart to recognize the wisdom that comes through this moment of worship. Hallelujah. I offer you all. I give you all. I give you everything. Come on, CLC. Lift your voice unto the Lord right now. Would you give him praise all over this building right now? Would you honor him by your worship in your own way right now? Come on, lift your heart unto the Lord. Lift your voice unto the Lord right now. Come on, magnify the name of Jesus right now. Let's just exalt and praise him. Hallelujah.
Come on, let's worship the name of Jesus today. 